we, we show that to remind ourselves. I think sometimes we forget. We don't know what's happening in the kids' ministry, uh, and, and, and many of you guys do. But, but uh, we show that to show you and remind that, that we share God's word with these kids. It is not just child care. Our biggest focus and goal is to share God's truth with them, and they learn the word of God in a very creative, fun, exciting way. And I love this. Here's another thing, mantra that we talk about here at Lifestone is we want kids to drag their parents to church rather than the other way around. That's how I grew up. My parents dragged me to church. I was like, oh, church. You know, but we, we think it should be something they really enjoy. They, they sense that they're loved and they're cared for. And so uh, thank you for the over 40 volunteers that help in the kids' ministry. You guys are awesome. Yeah. And this is my recruiting pitch. All right, if you feel called to work with kids and you just want to share God's love with them, teach them God's word, um, even the little, little ones like we saw here this morning, just we, we even trained those who were, who were in the, um, the nursery to pray over these kids and to encourage the, the parents of, of even the smallest ones. And so uh, if you're interested in that, we always need new people because we've got new families, new kids coming in. And, and thank you for all the sacrifice that that, uh, that that requires. We really appreciate that. And hey, um, Katie and Logan, thank you for all your family who are here. You brought lots of friends and family, and that's awesome. Thank you guys for celebrating that with us. Well, guys, we're going to jump into uh, Romans. Uh, If you've been with us for a little while, we've walked through this book of Romans, and we find ourselves in chapter 8. Now, here's what I'm excited about. When I uh, think back to the different careers and jobs I've had, sometimes, have you ever had this situation where maybe a manager or someone throws you into a responsibility, and they don't train you? And you don't know what you're doing, and they just kind of throw you in there, and you're like, get after it. Like, I, I think that's what most of the restaurants around here and stuff do with the... No, that was mean. Um, no, but the, the sense that I got about that when I was trying to remember a situation like that was subbing. I was a substitute teacher when I was in college about to graduate, and often it was just, you go to the office, and they were like, well, just go to this class, and I was like, okay. Surely they'll give us instructions or something. You know, they'll be sitting on the desk. Nothing. You know, here's a room full of kids. Uh, uh, John Fox, a friend of mine, preached a few weeks ago here, and he, he shared a, a similar situation. Um, and, and here's the thing. I think some people think that's what their Christian experience has been like. Like they hear the good news, the gospel that, that Jesus saves and we put our faith in him, and they've done that, and they prayed a prayer, and someone just like threw him the keys and said, all right, you're on your own. Go, you know, run this Christian life on your own. And, and, and they, or they just try to jump in and think, well, everyone else has this figured out but me. So what's happening here? And um, Paul walks through. Uh, in the beginning, uh, he, he writes this book to let us know what the Christian faith is. He writes it to the church in Rome. But in a sense, he's writing it to the entire Roman Empire saying, hey, here is what Christianity is all about. Let me sum it up. And he walks through, he begins it with horrible news, really bad news, that we all fall short of this perfect, incredible, wonderful God who created us. And because of our sin and our rebellion against him, we cannot have the relationship that he created us to have with him. And, and we just you know, are in despair after hearing Paul kind of go on and on and on about our situation. Um, 
And, and, and he goes on to say, we're all in that condition. I don't care if you're religious. I don't care if you're a good person. I don't care if you're a bad person. I don't care if you don't even believe in God. You're in this position, regardless of, of what category you might put yourself in, that we all for, fall short of God. But then the end of chapter three, he's like, but there's hope. There's wonderful, amazing, great hope. And you may have not known how great this hope was if you didn't get the run-up to the fact of how desperately we need this hope. So we get to the hope at the end of chapter 3, um, and, then he, and then he says, but then some of you guys are going, how do I get it? How do I get this hope? How do I get this forgiveness? How do I, I get this new relationship that I can have with God? And he says, it's through faith. It's not through trying to follow works or follow religion or even follow God's uh, laws that he gave us. Those had a purpose of showing us that we couldn't do it and that he eventually had to send uh, Jesus to do for us what we couldn't do on our own. And so um, he says it's by faith. This is how you receive it. It's by faith, not works, not religion. It's by faith. It's by faith. And then he says, we get into, well, how do we live this Christian life? What do we actually, like, okay, now we're in this position. Now we're in this standing with God that I'm worthy and righteous before God, not based on anything I've done, but because I've put my confidence and my trust, my hope, my faith in Jesus and what he's accomplished on my behalf. So now what? And, And he he, he opens up and he gets real real last week in chapter 7 and says, man, some, I do what I don't want to do often. I, I find myself in that situation. And he says it two times. I keep doing what I don't want to do. And the things I know I should do, I don't do. And he says, oh, I have this struggle. And I know you probably have this struggle if you've kept up with us and you're at the point where he is. That I still have this stinking sin nature attached to me. And, and do we just like go ahead and keep sinning because God forgave it, like Jesus paid for it, so why not enjoy it, right? You ever had that situation? It's like, hey, someone else paid for this, so you can go ahead and eat it or whatever. Like, is that how it works? Like, Jesus paid for all my sins, so live it up. Woo-hoo. That's how it is. Let's pray and go home. No, that's not how it is. That's not where he, where he ends it. He says, no, absolutely not. Sin brings death. Sin is deception that you think you're missing out. You think that, that God is kind of the ultimate killjoy and that you don't, you're missing out on something. But that's not the case. You're, you're dead to sin. And you have something new and more wonderful and beautiful that God wants, wants to do and, and work in your life. Um, and, and then we get to chapter 8, like, okay, well, then what do I do? What does this look like? And we're going to kind of scratch the surface this morning, not really get too deep into, well, well, what does this look like? It's the Holy Spirit working within our lives and walking in the Spirit. And um, let me just say on the onset, like I, I've been in many different types of churches, and I know sometimes just like a basic Bible-based church, uh, there's some people, you talk about the Holy Spirit, and they're like, they're scurred. That's Texas for scared. Some of you guys were like, what does that mean? They're, they're really scared if someone like, someone prays and says, hey, I, I pray that the Holy Spirit would lead us. Uh-oh, he's praying about the Holy Spirit. He's, he's going to, you know, that's going to be something that's out of control or something that, that's strange or uncomfortable or something like that. I've, I've been in those camps of, of, of maybe churches or, or groups of Christians. And then I, I've, I've 
seen or been a part of or known a lot of people, and I know they love Jesus, and, but they're, they're kind of on the way other extreme of like everything's just about the Holy Spirit, but not just about the Holy Spirit, who is God, but about the experiences of the Holy Spirit. And it's always the goal seems to be to, to have some kind of very mystical, some kind of something that moves me. It kind of, then that's the danger. It can come, become about me and the experience and the Holy Spirit goosebumps that I want to experience. And it becomes about experiencing the Holy Spirit. And, and I think somewhere we get kind of a, a middle ground in Scripture because we have some warnings about both extremes. We don't want to ignore that the Holy Spirit, like what I just said, He is God. And how does, does he work in our lives? So Paul says he, he's, he's, he's uh, kind enough for us, you know, to get on the job and not, not just leave us, and he, but give us some instructions of how to live this Christian life. Romans 8 is where we find ourselves. Are we just beginning or we, we should be closing, right? No. Okay. We'll go through this. So now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. One of my favorite verses in all of Scripture Why? Because I've met so many people who think that is a perfect description of the Christian life, is condemnation. Isn't that what religion's all about? Isn't that what God is trying to do in our lives? Like somehow fearfully condemn us to to move us, to get us to act some different way? And so I love sharing this verse because people who have that mindset are like, wait a minute, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ? That's powerful. What, what does that mean? Um, he goes on to say, and because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. A theme that we've heard him say in the last chapter, the law of Moses was unable to save us because of the weakness of our sinful nature. So God did what the law could not do. Now, do you catch this? And Paul does this often. He just repeats the truth the foundational truth of the Christian message. And that's what he's doing here to lay out as he starts saying, okay, here's how you live the Christian life. Don't get confused with how you live out the Christian life is not how you are in Christ or how you are adopted into God's family or how you're saved or how you're a Christian. That is something that is firmly established by faith and faith alone, because it's not dependent on something we do. It's dependent on something he has done for us. So so he establishes in these first four verses what just once again, as he'll do time and time again, here's the good news. Here's the gospel. And here's here's some specific uh, things that are important to keep in mind as we now talk about living out the Christian life. So the law law of Moses was unable to save us because of the weakness of our sinful nature. So God did what the law could not do. He sent his own son in a body like the bodies we sinners have. Jesus is different from us. And in that body, God declared an end to sin's control over us by giving his son as a sacrifice for our sins. He did this so that the just requirement of the law would be fulfilled, would be fully satisfied for us who no longer follow our sinful nature, but instead follow the Spirit. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning. What does that look like? How do we actually follow the Spirit? So here's the key things that you got to know the good news because you don't want to get confused with here's how you live out the Christian faith with this is the requirements to be a Christian because then you've destroyed what the good news is. Um, So number one, there's no condemnation. 
that if you're in Christ, God looks at you and views you and he sees the worthiness and righteousness of his son if you're in Christ Jesus. How do you do that? You place your faith in Jesus. It's simply crying out, praying to God and saying, I recognize my need. I recognize my rebellion against you. I receive what I cannot earn on my own. This gift of salvation that Jesus paid for on the cross. So there's no condemnation because God does not condemn his son. And you are given this incredible gift. And I know we've said it time and time again, but I don't know. So many believers just think it's wiping away your sin, forgiving your sin. No, it doesn't stop there. That's a part of it. Then you're credited the righteousness of Jesus to you. So when, when God views you, if you're in Christ, you simply, simply put your faith in him and says, what level of worthiness do you have? What level of righteousness or holiness do you have? The same as my son. The same as Jesus, perfect, complete uh, righteousness. And so um, there's, that's why there's no condemnation. Now we sit back and we go, like, that's kind of like, hard to grasp sometimes. But that's the truth of where we stand before God. And it's very humbling. It's not pride-filled when we look at that. That's what religion does. Phil is full of pride because look at me. I did this and I went here and I gave this and I attended. I, oh man, my mom or my mom or my wife drugged me, made me come to church because it's Mother's Day. So I had to do what she wanted me to do. Like I get some points with God, right? I'm supposed to laugh at that or at least some of you guys. Um, no, that's not how we're right. It's because of what Jesus did. So there's no condemnation and there's no pride attached because Jesus did it all. Number two, I belong. I love that that's the words, if, if you saw in those first four verses that Paul uses, that you belong to God's family based on your faith in Christ. How awesome. As a kid, I, I moved around a lot. I tell people how many places I've lived. They're like, military brat. Must have been. I wasn't a military brat, but I've lived so many different places. It was tough going to a new school, going to a new community, and, and not getting a sense. Like, it took a while. Like, uh, how, when am I going to feel like I belong? Some of you guys might be new here to our church. We want to work really hard because we think that's important to make you, to, to make you. We want to make you feel like you belong. We want to give you a sense of something we hope you, you embrace, a sense of belonging uh, here to our church. Or maybe you're new to our community and you long to like feel like, hey, this is my, my community. Um, but, but this beautiful truth, something greater, a belonging greater than anything else we could experience here in this world that we can experience in this world also is that we belong to God's family. Number three, I'm set free from sin. I'm free from, from the power and what it ultimately would lead to. Um, like I said, in God's eyes, not based on your own goodness, your own talent, your own effort, but based on Jesus, you're a saint. That's what the Bible describes us as. We're saints. We're holy. Um, number four, work can't save us. He just reiterates it. That's part of the good news, part of the gospel. The works, the law, that couldn't save us. It reveals our need. It reveals that we couldn't measure it up and we couldn't fulfill it perfectly. And number five, Jesus did it all. Jesus gets all the credit. A um, couple quick verses to show some pictures of what, how Paul describes living in the Spirit. First, an important point to, 
to, to point out because you'll hear different teachings sometimes on this. But when do you receive the Spirit? When do you have the Holy Spirit in your life? Um, and Ephesians 1.13 makes it clear. Uh, Paul spent two years, years in Ephesus, this really tough town. that They were known as a really pretty wild city, but they were real spiritual. And they were into just mystical things. They had all these different things they worshipped. And, and um, Paul spent two years there. So many people came to Christ and just put away their idols and their worthless spiritual things that were connected to, to dead, non-existent gods and stuff, that a riot broke out. Because all the metal workers, all the wood carvers, all the people who were in business, they were in the spiritual trinket business or spiritual whatever. And, and they were like, oh, they got it. They got the good news. Jesus is all we need. We don't need all that garbage. So they're going out of business. Nothing will make people more upset than when you hurt their pocketbook, right? And so they, they caused this whole riot, and, and Paul has to kind of flee town because of it. But, but he shares these wonderful truths with, with the believers there in verse Ephesians 1.13. And now you Gentiles have also heard the truth, the good news that God saves you. And when, when you believed in Christ, he identified you as his own by giving you the Holy Spirit whom he promised long ago. So we see clearly in Ephesians that when do you get the Holy Spirit? Because the Bible has this description of, of the Spirit living in you. And Jesus made this crazy declaration to his entourage, as I talked about earlier, his inner circle, and said, hey, guys, it's better if I leave. And they were like, are you crazy? Why would it be better if you leave? You're the best thing that's ever happened to us. And he said, well, if I leave, then the Spirit will come. And the Spirit can do something that, that isn't a part of, of what Jesus was doing. He can, uh, what, how, how does Ephesians put it? He can um, live in, dwell in, reside in every believer. And so that's the picture we get. But when does it happen? When you believe. It's a part of what God says, you've got the stamp of being a part of my family of being someone who's accepted my son, that stamp is the Holy Spirit in your life. So that's when you, they're, they're, they go hand in hand. If you put your trust in Jesus, you have the Spirit of God in your life. Now, here's the difference. There's a big difference between having the Spirit dwell inside of you and being filled with the Spirit. Knowing that the Spirit is there and a part of your life and having the Spirit be the one that's controlling you and filling you. And that's where Paul will start taking us to say, here's a choice that you have. And this is how you live out the Christian life that God wants you to live out. Um, the Spirit, in, at the end of Ephesians 5, he gives this description, because I think he's walking through with the Ephesians the same thing. Like, here's the good news. Here you get the Holy Spirit. And here's how it operates in your life. So he gives, I, I love this beautiful uh, illustration in uh, 5.17. Don't act thoughtless, thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. So he's getting real practical. Like, what does God want me to do? How do I live this out? Don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. So he says, just like, you know, a lot of people are controlled completely by alcohol, um, Maybe a good, a good chance to talk about the stance of lifestone and alcohol. No? Yeah? No? Yeah. Jesus' first miracle was making alcohol. So 
Um, I, I think it's okay, but it talks about the abuse of it. It talks about being, and that's not what the focus is. It's just a wonderful example because you know like what happens when someone is intoxicated. They are being controlled by that substance. They're acting in a way that isn't typical of them. Um, and he says, you know, in that, that's a negative example. Here's a positive example of what it looks like when the Holy Spirit controls you. It's not your old sinful self and your old selfish thoughts and your old greedy self and your old self that's just focused on the here and now. It's, it's different. It's being controlled in a way that guides you to think about others, think about what God wants, think about eternal things. And so the Holy Spirit's role, a few things that we see in Scripture, and again, I'm trying to talk fast because this is something we could study for weeks and weeks and weeks, and we'll hit it a little bit more as, as Romans continues, but the, the role of the Holy Spirit, um, he reveals who God is. He, he shows us who God really is. My idea, you know, I talked about these people would, who would uh, have little trinkets to worship and stuff like that. Um, my version of God was pretty small. Even growing up in a Christian faith, in surrounded by, uh, you know, churches and stuff, I still had a pretty wimpy view of God. And it wasn't until I was an adult, a uh, young adult, that, that God showed me a much bigger God. Um, and and I, I didn't come to that conclusion on my own. It was the Holy Spirit that revealed. I was blown away at some point, like, oh, wait a minute. That's how awesome God is. That's how holy God is. That's how set apart God is. Um, and with that came a conviction of, of me and, and my sin and understanding. Like, there's no way I could, I could measure a standard that would be acceptable to be in his perfect heaven. Um, that now I understand, I start to grasp because of the Holy Spirit revealing these things, not that I came to on my own conclusion of what it, what it means or, or how, how deep my need was for Jesus and what, what he did. Because at that point, I was like, hey, I'm a pretty good guy. I'm smart. I'll figure stuff out. Um, you know, I'll just, you know, it, it was totally about me. Um, so the Holy Spirit, and we'll talk about these if you're in life group. There's four questions when people ask, well, how do I know the Holy Spirit's really in my life? Um, if you've made that decision, uh, to be a believer, the Holy Spirit is in your life, but there's some other things that you can see the Holy Spirit working and moving in your life. Has the Spirit led you to Jesus? That's the first question, because that's what I don't come. I come to kind of a phony, fake version of Jesus if it isn't the Holy Spirit leading me to Jesus. Just a Jesus that kind of, you know, like helps me out a little bit as I'm, because I'm so good. I'm pretty good. I might need a little Jesus or something. Um, but, but has he led you to the true Jesus, the, true, the Jesus that's reflected in the Bible? Has the Spirit put a desire to follow Jesus into your life? Man, that was totally different. I, I remember when I first gave my life to Christ, I went back home, visited some friends, and they, some of my friends just were like, you're not even, you're, like, you're not the Ben we know. You're a totally different person. And I didn't, under, you know, understand what they were saying. I, I didn't want to come across as some churchy, preachy guy to them or anything like that. But they saw that everything was different uh, because uh, the Spirit of God gave me different desires. They're like, Ben, like all we used to do is live for the weekends. And, like, and, and, and the Spirit led me to, to follow things of Jesus. Um, I did stupid things. 
The Holy Spirit, this may not be a good selling point, will lead you to do really stupid things. Like give away money. Give away time. Focus on other people. Focus on uh, God instead of just you and your situation and what, what you have going on. Um, so that's an indicator. Like, hey, if it's just me, that's me. It's just all about me, what I can get. Uh, and is the Spirit leading me to be more like Jesus? Uh, so he, he gives us some more practical instructions here about what that looks like. So let me quickly read uh, the, last chap- the last part of the chapter here. It says, those who are dominated by the sinful nature... Uh, think about sinful things. But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. So letting your sinful nature control you, control your mind leads to death. But letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. For the sinful nature is always hostile to God. It never did obey God's law, uh, laws, and it never will. That is why those who are still under the control of their sinful nature can never please God. Here's something I want you to catch in, in, in the emphasis that he's making here. Letting. Letting. He says that it is a choice that we make to let the Holy Spirit, that we have competing voices and forces in our life that are still drawing us away from God. Our sinful nature is still a part of us. We get to kick that thing to the curb uh, after this life. But in this life, we still have this sinful nature. And that's what Paul struggled with. Ah, I don't do the things I want to do. I do the things I don't want to do. Um, but it's, that's one key thing is, is just knowing that it's a choice that we make. Uh, verse 9 goes on to say, But you are not controlled by your sinful nature. You are controlled by the Spirit if you have the Spirit of God living in you. And remember that those who do not have the Spirit of Christ living in them do not belong to him at all. And Christ lives within you. So even though your body will die because of sin, the Spirit gives you life because you have been made right with God. The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, he will give uh, life to your mortal bodies by the same Spirit living within you. Now, I know sometimes people tune out when you're reading Scripture. I hope you don't do that. Um, but did you catch that last verse? The spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead. So what spirit are we talking about? And, and this is where, you know, I, I think I mentioned this earlier. This is not, you don't get like a little tiny influence of the spirit in your life. What Paul describes is the same spirit works in your life in such a powerful way that it's the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead. That, that we should, again, as we get a p- bigger picture of God, the Holy Spirit is God, we should get a bigger picture of the Holy Spirit. And that's, that's maybe the person of God that we may sometimes don't focus on uh, as much as we probably should. But, but that is the kind of, pa- that is the kind of things God wants to do in your life. Miraculous, incredible things. That's the same Spirit that's living within you. So how do we tune into that spirit? Number one, tune in. <laughs> okay, tune in. Uh, last couple of weeks ago, my family and I went on, uh, went on a little vacation, spring break. We went down to Phoenix just because we looked at a map and looked at the weather and went, I'm sick of the cold weather here. Uh, you know, we've had a lot of snow this year, right? We live in this beautiful, wonderful place, but we wanted to warm up. So we went down there. And we go out to the pool, and they're blaring 
country music. I shared this in the last uh, service. Some of you guys don't like me now. You're like, I, lo- I like two country singers, Shane. <laughs> really good. We listened to his, his uh, CD on the way on our trip, actually. And Garth. I like Garth. Okay. Um, so they're playing country music. And then someone else came, and I guess they didn't like it, and they brought their own little portable system, and they were blasting Tejano. So it was kind of interesting, like, you, it was just miserable for everyone, right? I mean, when you've got these two things, like, just blaring, like, you can't really listen to either, right? And, and uh, what we need to do to tune in is to drown out or cut off competing voices, competing things that are telling us, and, and we should be able to recognize what those are. I talked earlier about what the Holy Spirit does in your life. It, it's kind of this picture, you guys watch cartoons growing up, and we always, you know, so often you'd see this little picture of when the cartoon character had like a choice to make, and there's like a little devil that pops up on this shoulder and a little angel, and they're like, ah, do this, oh, don't do this, or whatever. Um, it, it's, I, I think Paul's laying out something like this, but here's the thing, it's not, it's not necessarily the devil, maybe the influence, and not an angel, but it's you, is what Paul's specifically talking about. Your old sinful nature and your new nature that is controlled by the Holy Spirit. Letting, he talks about letting, which one do you choose to tune into and listen to? You know, even right now, I've heard this illustration from from a pastor I like, and I I think it's a pretty good one, that right now, there is uh, music, sound waves all over this room. Right, And if I had a radio and I could tune in, some of you young kids, like there used to be these, these music things and there's this dial that you, radios, okay. Um, or you could do it with Wi-Fi maybe. You know, you connect to anything. There's Wi-Fi all over us. Um, but the Holy Spirit is present if you're a believer in your life. But we have the choice to tune out the Holy Spirit and not listen and be guided by the Holy Spirit. Or we can tune in. And how do we do that? Well, you're doing one of the things that's, that's a key part of it, gathering with other people, hearing God's word, focusing on, on the things of God helps us know the things of God, tune into those things. And then when we're confused, like which one are we listening to and where should I go? Well, the spirit is the one that guides us to things that are focused on unselfishly loving other people, granting forgiveness. When, like when I talk about my old self, old Ben, Man, I, my forgiveness was very conditional. You know, the way I would forgive someone was based on, you know, how sorry they were or whatever, you know, or, you know. And then, and then the Holy Spirit comes into my life and, and is leading me to forgive unconditionally and to love unlovable people and to be generous and to put other people's interests before my own. And then you can know, well, those are the values and the, the attributes of, of Jesus, of God, and so those, that must be the Holy Spirit guiding me to do those things. And then when it's all about me and what I want and, and who cares about other people, that's, that's the old life, but tuning in uh, to that. Um, and staying tuned in, number two. Staying tuned in. Because it's not, here's a tragedy, I think. And I've seen this play out. I, I've seen it in my own life for, for seasons. Of like, okay, I tuned in once. It was awesome. The Holy Spirit led me and guided me and Man, he empowered me to do this thing I never thought, but it was cool, and these people were changed or whatever. 
and you tell that same story for the, last, the next 50 years of your life that you tuned in once, you know. Um, but that there's this daily thing. Jesus gives a beautiful example of, of continually being connected and continually uh, being guided. Um, uh, and, and he did it in a way he got up early, not to say that's what you have to do, but I think one reason he got up very early and stayed connected to God the Father uh, was because there's a lot less distractions. There wasn't, you know, two different types of music being played loudly. And so um, just different ways that we, uh, that we daily tune in, daily are in God's presence if we truly want to live out the Christian life that God wants uh, and has for us. Uh, Romans eight twelve, just the last, past, the last part of this chapter, so we can say we finished it up, says, Therefore, dear brothers and sisters, you have no obligation to do what your sinful nature, nature urges you to do. Again, you see that, that you have a choice, that when it comes down to this living out the Christian life and having the Holy Spirit in your life, it's not just like, well, God didn't like just do it in my life. That, that this is something that we choose to do. For if you live by its dictates, you will die. But if through the power of the Holy through the Spirit, you put to death the deeds of your sinful nature, you will live. For all who are led, led by the Spirit of God are children of God. So you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Um, I love that description because I think that's how a lot of people, as he's walking through, and Paul's always, as he's writing, he's going, okay, as I'm talking about being controlled by the Spirit, some people are going to be like, man, am I just like a robot for like a joy-kill God and there's no more me? It's just like, you know, God just working through me and I'm just his robot. He said, no, 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 you're not a fearful slave. You're actually, as the Holy Spirit works and moves through you, doing what you were created to do. Your personality is still there. Your, uh, your gifts and your talents and everything, it's still you, absolutely, but, but it is what you were created to do and to be, not as a fearful slave, but as someone who understands I'm stepping into what I was created for. I'm stepping into the most abundant, great life that I could possibly have being led by the Spirit. And then it ends with, instead, you receive God's Spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Now we call him Abba, Father. Now, do you see there's a before and after there? This is not just, well, we've always been God's children. Nope. I know that surprises a lot of people. The Bible's clear on this. We're his creation, but we become his children when we make a choice to accept through faith the gift of salvation through Jesus. And that's when we are adopted into God's family. Um, And then we're given the Holy Spirit uh, in that process. And then we have this new relationship with God. I love that we have this little baby, babies celebrating this morning and looking at this new life that has this wonderful relationship of just beautiful intimacy through a little child, a little, uh, a little one and their father, and that you would have such intimacy and joy there that you, when you think of that relationship, you, you cry out Abba, which would be comparable today to us saying daddy or dada almost uh, to what the, the relationship that's being portrayed there. Verse 17, and since we are his children, we are his heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory, but if we are to share his glory, we must also share his suffering. And then we'll continue on to look at what this looks like to continually make this decision to live out this Christian life. So number three, um, as we look at the fact that 
listening to, tuning in, staying tuned in the Holy Spirit. And then a key is doing what the Holy Spirit guides you to do. It does us no good whatsoever. We will not experience the life that Christ wants us to have if we don't actually obey what God's directing us to do.